Congratulations, you found it! This is a book podcast featuring books you will want to read. Recommended by people who are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Featuring Martha Steele, radio personality extraordinaire and queen of the volunteer librarians. Nicole Shaded, sports animal wrangler, shield maiden, and book warrior. And Vonnie Golden, healthcare billing diva, volunteer librarian, and book goddess. Together, slaying the dragons, catching serial killers, exploring history, space-time, and alternative realities. Searching for and finding book treasures every week. They are three book girls. <laughs> How's it going, Kelly? And then you say nothing. <clears throat> Sorry, I was reading. This is why I don't have real books in front of me all the time, because I want to pick it up and just start reading. Oh, I understand completely. I have that problem myself often. <laughs> or when people come into my office when I'm already reading something, I'm not going to stop reading it just because you came in talking. Like, I'm still reading this. What did you say? <laughs> yeah, you like tune everybody else out. I do that like today I was reading my book, but I was sitting at my desk and it's a it's a real close office and there's other people coming in and out and talking and there's radio in the background and everything. And I'm just oblivious, just reading my book. <laughs> Somebody asked me a question. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only person who completely loses themselves in it like that to the point where I actually get frustrated when people continue to interrupt. Yep. Yes. Yeah. My son is bad to do that. Like last weekend I was reading and he was playing a video game mm -hmm. and he kept mom and asked me and, you know, I'd be like, what? And he asked me a question. I'm like, I don't know. And I'd read, mom, what? Are you going to Walmart? <sighs> Later. <laughs> I can completely relate to that. Although when I was young, it was always my little sister and uh, I wasn't quite as nice. No. <laughs> So, yay for growing up on that one. Okay, so mm, you started. I lied. Okay. I'm going to make you do it. So we're here again at another wonderful edition of Three Book Girls. And we are down one of our book girls. Martha had some family stuff going on, so she's out of town. So we have the wonderful Kelly Talent with us again this week. Yeah, I get to run the board this time. I know. I yes. like it. <laughs> Come on as a guest, end up running things. <laughs> Sounds about right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so you, I think, are the only one who read all of your book this week. Well, I didn't quite get finished with it. I got a little busy this week, and I didn't have as much time to read at lunch as I usually do. But I'm almost done. I'm like within the last few chapters. Nice. I will admit that I had no idea I was going to be doing the podcast this week. So I was not reading this week. So I'm going to refer back to one of my favorites that I've read several times throughout my life. Uh, the first time I read it was in like fourth grade, and I just keep rereading it. It's yeah. a great book. It's so, one of the great things when you read a lot is that you have something to fall back on if you have other things come up. I think it's actually one of the few books that I've ever read multiple times. The other one is The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. Uh, yeah. Are you going to do a fallback too? Yes, I am, actually. Girl. I've been a little bit busy this week. I understand. Join the club. Right. But you're you're still in college, right? Mm -hmm. So you're reading constantly anyway, because you have to read for classes. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. And it's usually multiple chapters and with very dry language. Yes. And it's all online. So then I have to go read all that stuff, too. My <laughs> lectures. I'm right. Sorry. Do you watch your lectures, your lectures online? Nope. They, they're all written. I used to have to watch my lectures online. And some of them were so boring that I would have to... Like, just drink the caffeine, five-hour energy shots, followed by coffee, just to stay awake long enough to watch this boring professor yeah. give a lecture on the computer. I guess I got kind of lucky 
because most of the professors within the media department are awesome. Yeah, they're all, you know, really large personalities and they're all very articulate and because they're so used to disseminating a message on a public platform that they're really good at the public speaking aspect. So they make it fun and engaging and they have like a great presence. And I always really loved my classes. I had a couple of professors, one of them in particular who had the um, Ferris Bueller teacher voice. Yes. Crazy monotone. Yes. And that was my, when I took my first humanities class, that was that teacher. And I had to watch his lectures. Yes. In that tone. And it was so, oh my gosh, I could not stay awake. (laughs) But my second humanities class, I actually took um, a religion class and it just kind of explained, it wasn't like, it explained all different religions. Mm -hmm. Like um, it went into uh, Judaism, Christianity, um, Buddhism. What's the one that they have in the Middle East? Taoism? No. no. That it's Islam. Allah. Yeah. Islam. Is, you know, Islam. And he was so engaging in his lectures that I did not mind watching his. In fact, I looked forward to him. I would watch him as soon as he put him out. That's the great thing about the humanities, though, is that it delves into these topics that make humans human. Thus the name, obviously. So religion, art, music, all the things that motivate the actions of people and that mm-hmm. have the ability to influence action. Mm-hmm. And he was able to give his lectures in such a way that they were interesting and never gave a precedence to if he, you know, didn't actually believe in a specific religion. Right. He was very open minded with his lectures. And I appreciated that. It's always good when there's no bias coming in. Right. Are you taking any humanities courses? Well, uh, not right this second. I'm taking a marketing class, and then a French class. Did you ever have Moose? No. At UCO? I did not. She's the best. I did not. I actually took my humanities courses in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. And the same woman who taught my mom humanities taught me at Tulsa Community College. So that was pretty cool. When she had taught my mom, it was TJC then, at any rate. She was a phenomenal teacher, and I loved her. I actually took uh, honors humanities Mm because I wanted to be in a smaller class with people who felt passionately about it because I don't take the humanities lightly that, you know, the arts and the humanities are Mm -hmm. kind of like a life force for me. So I wanted to be with like-minded people. And thankfully both uh, humanities one and two in the honors courses were less than 10 people and all 10 people were very actively engaged and passionate about it. And each one of us had a certain, you know, time period or, medium of art or something that we were really knowledgeable about so it was kind of an awesome shared experience and I really loved it but and it makes it fun It it makes learning fun it does especially when everybody wants to be involved Mm -hmm. yeah speaking of involved tell me about your book I I want to get involved in it (laughs) (laughs) um I read The Constant Princess by Philippa Gregory Mm -hmm. one of my favorite authors of all time Mm -hmm. who Philippa Gregory Nicole actually gave me this book to read. So I you said Khalifa. I was like, nice. <laughs> Philippa, am I saying it right? Yeah, Philippa Gregory. Philippa Gregory. And it's about the Princess of Wales. And it starts when she's about three years old. And from the time that she's three years old, she's um, already, what do you call it when you're endowed? Oh, Arranged to marry the um, the Princess of England, the Prince of England, She's Prince Arthur. to someone. So just a, right. a little bit of heads up, because a lot of people will know this before they know who, really who she is. 
she is King Henry the Eighth, the one who murdered most of his wives, his first or her, his first wife. That's who she is. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. Okay. So she gets murdered. That's basically what you're saying. Well, I don't know. I like I said, I still have a few chapters. She's not dead yet. Oh, <laughs> so. did I just ruin the ending that I don't know? <laughs> and plus, if uh, a lot of people already know the ending, like right, really, if it's part life. of history, yeah, like um, she marries Prince Arthur, and um, he act he dies, and I didn't know that he died. I was trying to look up his illness on the computer. And it actually told me on the computer when I was trying to see what his illness was that he died of it. And I'm like, man, I haven't gotten to that part yet. <laughs> it was a spoiler alert for sure. But um, she is, her mom is the Queen of Spain, uh, Queen Isabella. And she is an extremely powerful, influential woman. So she grows up with this very strong female presence in her life. She is the queen. Yes. <laughs> and she runs the country. I, I mean, her husband pretty much takes orders from her, King Ferdinand. And um, she um, sends crusades out, Christian crusades, to take over all the non-Christian people in, like, Turkey and... Italy and all of these different. So they're constantly on the move and constantly like at war in her early life. And then she goes when she's 15 to marry the Prince of England, which she she has never met before. And he's 16. Well, I mean, I guess during the time of the Crusades, that was probably common practice. It's actually a little bit older than most people. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm over here like, oh, my God, 15. <laughs> I know. It's but so I guess young. if your life expectancy is 32, 15 is like halfway yeah. through your life. You're having a midlife crisis. Why am I not married? <laughs> uh-huh. And she kind of goes into culture shock because England is so much is so different than Spain. All of their practices are so different. And women in England just basically have no power if your hus- if your husband dies you either go back home or you're promised to somebody else mm-hmm. a good old patriarchy and yeah she was she was raised in this massively massive uh catholic upbringing right because i mean her mom is is doing christian crusades obviously she's against i mean everything's about god and god's will and which is a little weird. But I love that in this book, in her mind, she questions what her mom believes. Mm-hmm. Like like in part of the book, they talk about how her mom has basically either murdered anyone who has an education or they fled the country because it's sinful. It's ungodly to be educated. So... And she talks about how using an abacus is is sinful. It's ungodly. There's no way that you could use an abacus and not be prosecuted as um, an atheist, as having no religion and not believing in God. I mean, it's just amazing the way that they think then. Is it weird that I'm drawing parallels to our current political situation? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> 
I mean, I guess if you think about it, really, anybody who's in power wants the people to be uneducated because then they can stay in power. So they say that it's a sin. They say that you will be cast out. They say whatever they need to say to make sure that you stay ignorant so that they stay in power. Yes. So it makes sense. It's just mm-hmm. they don't really want you to question. Fact. Yeah. They don't want you to question. The more educated you are, the more that you're going to question. During the time when like to, to have a book, they took it to the monastery and it was re, like handwritten. Mm-hmm. And right. they would even draw pictures on the sides and it would be in great detail. Like, And they were very expensive. And so this is the time period this takes place. To get a book in general, any book. You had to be royalty, you basically. You had to be very rich. Yeah. And that is interesting. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, I, it was cool to see you get all super alive about <laughs> old books. I love all of Philippa Gregory's books because of how she puts a life into the historical aspects and she literally researches everything from head to toe she will go uh she lives in england um and she goes to the royal libraries and she has special permission to actually view things that most people can't and she sits there and reads them and it it could be uh, catherine of aragon's letters it could be uh, king henry's letters or and she uses these letters and all the historical documents she can find to write her story. So it like it just puts all this life into something you've never really thought about. Okay, one of the things that I really liked about this book is that the character grew during the book because like I said she was only 15 when she went to England. She went into culture shock because women ha- have no power. And then her husband who she actually ends up really loving dies when uh, not even a year into the marriage Mm -hmm. and um, she's not carrying an heir. So she's kind of in limbo because she can either be, she really needs to be sent back to Spain to her family, but the King won't send her back because her full dowry hasn't been paid. And, ah, yes. And the queen of Spain is refusing to pay her whole dowry because they want her to marry the the prince's younger brother, Harry, who is later becomes Henry. Mm-hmm. And so she's kind of in limbo for a while. And King Henry, the father, not King Henry, the son, is still alive and he wants to marry her. But she doesn't want to marry him because her heirs won't be the next king of England. Oh, smart girl. So she wants to marry the younger brother, but he's only 11 at the time. So and they talk about how the jealousy between the two brothers before the oldest dies right. a lot, too. So what she does is she takes that jealousy and she manipulates things around to get her way. But she's in limbo for a long time, like seven years. Mm-hmm. And this is when they call, they call her the constant princess because she's just kind of, you know... And has, doesn't have any claim to anything and no real voice or say in anything. And she's kind or, of in seclusion almost. I was about they, to say, or a support a, system at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because she's not with the royal family most of the time. I think they do invite her for holidays and everything. But they also give her her own like place to live for a while. And she doesn't have a full staff like royalty normally would. And so right. she feels very alone. Because they don't give her enough of an allowance to pay for people to... For the maids and the servants and the cooks and everything else. So she ends up having to 
upon half of her dowry that she did have, like the gold, the gold plates and everything that she had brought from Spain to even keep her household running. But instead of like crumbling and, you know, just giving up, she maintains this whole time and manipulates her way into the palace again, marries the younger son and then and ends up being the queen of England. I, I mean, just her. She learned from the best. Yeah. So that that doesn't hurt anything. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And yeah. she she spent that so those seven years learning what she could about about England and about the way that the people are, so that once she got into power, she would know what she was doing too. She's very smart. She is extremely smart. With Isabella and Ferdinand's parents, sounds like you kind of had to be pretty much. Mm-hmm. And even though this book has a lot of technical and historical aspects to it. And a lot of religion in it, and it sounds a little bland. It is not like no. she absolutely puts life into it, and like it's um, it's dark almost and gritty. Like it really is. I like honestly all those historically based novels that they don't necessarily fictionalize it, but at the same time do because then you get to see it through their eyes, and it makes history come alive. Yeah, mm-hmm. and another interesting thing: each book is told almost from the perspective. Uh, so this one is Catherine of Aragon, and then she goes through. So she goes to uh, Anne Boleyn, and then she goes to she does she has one on Anne's sister, and then she keeps going through all of his wives. She does before uh, the War of the Roses, um, which is actually that one's my favorite book. But she has all of this stuff, and you're sitting there going. So she follows all oh of the wives God. of Henry the Eighth. Yes, and then she goes a little bit past that as well. Um, but even so, they're all from different perspectives. And so it's so interesting to see, like, you fall in love with each character, but each character hates each other. So mm-hmm. that's something you'll find out soon, like, because mm-hmm. your next book is going to be the Anne Boleyn. So you're going to read that and you're going to see what she thought of Catherine of Aragon. And you're going to be like, whoa, like mm-hmm. these are two. So she's writing these completely separate stories and that's probably how they really felt about each other it's kind of awesome too because you get the whole picture that way yeah and Mm -hmm. it's not one-sided like i i don't know her stuff is so fun to read it is fun to read because she does put a lot of life into it because you get the perspective of a lot of the different characters and not just she explains the way that each person is in enough detail that you really get a feel for them Mm -hmm. for the character like you know she and she describes like Prince or King Henry, you know, he starts out, he's selfish and he's spoiled, but he's been coddled his whole life. He doesn't know the way of the world. So, but she says at the same time, he's so endearing, you can't help but love him. So you get a picture in your head. Yeah, he's selfish and he's spoiled, but he's also sweet and generous. So and he wants to be. right when he wants to be I mean they're young so I feel like I would be pretty well expected I guess to be kind of that blend of spoiled and obnoxious but Mm -hmm. also wanting to you know you see the remnants of the person that they're going to be yeah 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 kind of but like with um with Arthur who she was married to first he was he was um educated to be king he was supposed to be the next king so they actually put a lot of the education and training for him to be the king and not so much the younger brother. 
And I think that's a lot where the jealousy comes from. Because, you know, instead Harry was, you know, patted on the head and coddled and just given what he wanted. And spoiled. So. There's that as well. It's kind of interesting how those dynamics can affect the way that somebody turns out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, like a, a lot of responsibility put on the older child tends to make them crazy responsible adults and they have like this weird pressure on themselves all the time and expect absolutely everything of themselves where the youngest is kind of lackadaisical and like da 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 carefree <laughs> yeah I mean yeah. generally speaking they are kind of the free spirit so mm-hmm. it's I can't even imagine what it would be like with the politic aspect added in mm-hmm. so what, what was the author's name again it's the constant princess from Philip Phil, Philippa Gregory mm-hmm. And I definitely give it a five. I might have to go back and read more. I have a lot of actual, you know, hardback books that I need to read. And I'm a little behind. So So did you like, speaking of that, the comparison, you've been doing the audiobooks for a while now. The last several times I've done the podcast with you, you have Mm -hmm. done an audiobook. Was it nice to have have your your paper right there and to make the voices in your head? It was kind of nice because it's almost like a movie playing in your head when you're reading. Exactly. When you're yeah. reading it and it's it, it's nice to sit and read it, but then at the same time, I, I'm not often sitting still for a long time where I can read it except for weekends. Mm-hmm. So, and then if I get really into a book, I can't think of anything else but reading the next chapter. So if I don't have time, it's frustrating. <laughs> I and then understand. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I just need to get this done so I could read my book. But, yeah, it was nice. It's been a while since I've sat and read an actual book. I do do audio more than I do anything. I actually still haven't listened to an audio book. The last time I listened to audiobooks, and maybe this is why I don't listen to them anymore. Um, my grandmother was a librarian. She opened libraries all over the country. My grandma is part of the reason that I read as much as I do. Mm-hmm. She instilled that love of literature in me very young. And mm-hmm. my Christmas presents, I also have an aunt that's a teacher. So my Christmas presents and birthday presents for my grandma and my aunt and my mom were always books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or something for books, a bookshelf or, you know, a bookmark or a little the little light clip thing. <laughs> I loved those. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I always read with her. So as she aged and her eyesight got worse and then the dementia took over, we listened to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And honestly, her most lucid moments were when we were listening to the audiobooks. And it was so cool to see her laugh at, you know, some clever little line that was in there, mm-hmm. the little zingers. And uh, it was it was really cool to still have that part of her humanity, you know. Yeah. So I don't listen to audiobooks, I think, probably because of that, because since she passed, Does I remind you of her. Yes, I don't want to. I haven't since then. It's been. It's been over six years since I've listened to an audiobook. Mm. <laughs> Actually, other than like high school, I don't think I've ever listened to an audiobook. And by high school, I mean when that teacher puts it on and you And then leaves the classroom to go to the mm. teacher's lounge. Yeah. Now, when I was really, really young, we had the the books where you could put the, the tape in and kind of it would read the book and you could read along with the book. And my favorite one was actually The Little Mermaid. <laughs> I had The Little Mermaid book, and it was one of my favorites because I could put it in and read I always read liked along. the books, too, that had the little um, the little bar on the side with the pictures. And as you read along in the book, there would be words, and then there would be a picture, and you would push the picture, and it would make the sound effect that they wanted you to hear. Yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about? I think so. It I was didn't... the blend of my two favorite worlds, audio and reading. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I didn't have any fancy books like that when I was little. They were real books or the little tape. And we're talking, 
I had the cassette tape that was the big thing that you know, had the play and the record button you had to push together if you wanted to record I remember, something. <laughs> I had tapes when I was a kid too. I'm almost 30. I, I don't look like it, but I am. I also had the little um, recorder thing that had the play and everything and you put tapes in it and you recorded and I had a little microphone and I always had yeah. my fake radio station. <laughs> I'm dead serious. It was 86.6 The Ritz. <laughs> We're the best 86 The rest. I'm not even joking. <laughs> That's funny. That's yeah. awesome. It is kind of funny. So uh, tell me about your book. Sorry, we got a little sidetracked there. It's okay. We always get sidetracked. Amen in to that. All right. So this is on a, like, this is, we're going from historical to very depressing. Uh, the book I'm going to talk about is called The Lovely Bones by Alice Siebold. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's okay. So <laughs> this is also a movie. Uh, the book came out in 2002. It is one of the... It is a very difficult book to read because of the emotions you feel. It is told it is told from the perspective of a little girl who is murdered and raped. Well, raped and then murdered um, by her neighbor. And that is not giving anything away because it's one of the first things you find out in the book. Um, she's explaining to the readers that she's taking a shortcut and she's on her way home. And... Her neighbor invites her into a like underground little lair that he had just built in a cornfield behind their neighborhood. And she goes in and that's when everything happens. And then she goes to heaven and she's telling the rest of the story where she's viewing like everything else that happens from heaven. And she sees her family grieving and trying to figure out what happened to her, where she went, and mm-hmm. who killed they her. can't find the body, right? Yeah, they can't find the body. Um, and she's just watching her family grieve the entire time. And this is literally so hard to read because, I mean, she's like a little girl. And then she, the author has some very, like, she puts pictures in your head very well. Um, they talk about her yellow boots and stuff like that. I Having, did not make my way through that book. I couldn't. I've never cried it. that much at a book. Yeah. It is hard. I think I read it when I was in high school. Um, it's a depressing book. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Well, I watched so, the movie and it was all, it was a hard movie to watch. Yeah, exactly. I don't um, know if I could I did make it book. through the movie. I couldn't make it through the book. And so the rest of the story, you're just... Uh, you're watching her family try to discover what happened essentially through the perspective of the girl in heaven. Um, I don't want to give you anything else away, but uh, so I read this book. She is an amazing author. Like her writing is amazing. Um, So I kind of started researching her and I found another book that she wrote called Alice, I believe Mm -hmm. it's called lucky and it's her memoir. So then I went and read lucky which is about her uh, being raped in college. So then I was like, oh. The Lovely Bones was her like working that out. Yes. It was like the healthiest form of mastery that exists. And Mm -hmm. so that's how that book becomes so like you get, you're just like stuck in this novel. Um, I mean, the emotion, obviously, if you can't stop crying during it, it's Mm -hmm. pretty strong. So that completely makes sense. She's using her own experiences and putting it into a child. And That's why it was so, so hard weird. for me, though, because it just 
Because it was a child. too close to home. Yeah. You know? No. So, <laughs> one in four. <laughs> I just, I don't really like to read about little kids being hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like to watch movies on little kids being hurt. This was one that Martha talked me into watching with her. But everybody loves <laughs> Law and Order SVU. So what's that about? Yeah. I don't like Law and Order <laughs> SVU. I can't no, stop watching Law and Order. I don't like that movie or that show. I won't watch it. I actually, I can't, I love watching Law and Order. I don't know why. I think that's something, like, some people just have that, that weird... Voyeurism? I don't know just if that's the right word, curiosity. but... Curiosity. Curiosity, yeah. And so I sit there and watch stuff all the time, and I think that might be part of the reason why I could actually finish this book and watch the movie. So do you mm-hmm. like those, like, crime shows and stuff? Do you get into criminal psychology? Yes. You like mm-hmm. Criminal Minds and all that jazz? Yes. Okay, that's probably why you like it then. That's yeah. why no. I like it because... My son loves Criminal Minds. For whatever reason, the depravity in humanity is just as fascinating as all of the great things about yes. people. You know? Mm-hmm. And you you can't... You can't uh, it's like a train wreck. You just want to watch it. You can't help yeah. but watch it. You want to stare at it and go, oh, I'm so glad I wasn't in that wreck. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not like I'm trying to like, you know, pretend it doesn't exist. It just makes me too nervous. Like, you know, just watching the news and... Amen. <laughs> I didn't want my son to go to the bathroom by himself until... I didn't let him go to the bathroom by himself until he was like eight. And that's only because he was as tall as I was. Yeah. And then I would I would stand outside the, the bathroom when he went in and I would time him. And I told him one time, I'm like, if you're not out of that bathroom by this time, I'm going to come in there after you and I don't care who it embarrasses. <laughs> <laughs> and he never dollied in the bathroom, but I just, I don't know, it just freaked, it just freaked me out to let him yeah. go to the bathroom by himself. And it's not because of any of the bathroom laws, it's because regular <laughs> people figure. are freaking horrible, horrible people. Yeah. I would have to agree with that, and this is reason number 4,211 why I won't have children, because I would be that helicopter parent who hovered constantly yeah. and was like, they fall and I'm standing right there, you okay? <laughs> Do you need a band-aid? Do you need some ice? Yeah. Well, you I good? Tried- Really hard. I tried really hard not to be obsessive where he could tell I was. Like one time when he was, I can't remember how old he was. I'd be shameless. And it was the first time that we went over to somebody's house and they for Fourth of July and they're popping firecrackers and he wanted to do it like the big kids. But no. And he act. They were like holding up rockets and they were shooting them out of their hands. I had to go in the house. I couldn't watch them. I didn't want to tell him not to do it because I didn't want him, him to be afraid. No, that's okay. That's but one I of those things it's him. okay to... Yep. Sorry, I'm, I'm not going to watch you burn your hand off. Well, Love no, you. he wasn't. He wasn't doing anything that was going to hurt him. <laughs> no, I'm just... I'm just but they, <laughs> like I said, I would be that helicopter if he, parent. <laughs> if he was holding the firecracker in his hand while it was going off, yes, then I might have said something. But like they were lighting them and then you know, throwing him into the pond, but you had to get the timing just right or else it would go out when it hit the pond. You wanted it to explode. And they were just, you know. Fair enough. You can't deprive kids <laughs> of those experiences. Yeah, I have to let him be a boy, but at the same time, I couldn't, couldn't watch him. I had to go in the house. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I gotta I gotta go inside. I can't watch this. You did better than I would have. <laughs> I give you that. <laughs> So who was it again? Okay, so it's called The the Lovely Bones, and it's by Alice Siebold. What do you give it? I would give it a five out of five if you can handle the depressing aspect of it, but her writing is truly, like, you will feel everything. I was going to say, that is something that 
I would say as well. I can't mm-hmm. give it a five because I didn't finish it. Plus, I thought it was so sad that I would give it a three. But her level of writing is why I got as far as I did. Yeah. And that is the reason why it affected me so strongly and why I was literally sobbing reading a book. Mm-hmm. No, you wouldn't have been sobbing if she wasn't a good It's not often that you cry writer. and it's not often that you actually laugh out loud. At a book. At a book. So when that happens, you it tells you something about the power of their writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that having a shared experience... If you read it, you're going to react more in a visceral form anyway. So there is that. Yeah. Um, We were talking about kids and don't deprive them of experiences. Never deprive a kid of an awesome book. I read my book for the first time (laughs) when I was eight years old. I was in fourth grade. My grandmother was a librarian at my school and she recommended it to me. So I read it. (laughs) I told you. Grandma had a lot to do with that. It is uh, called The Ancient One by T.A. Barron. And it is about a girl named Kate Gordon who goes to Oregon for the summer to visit her aunt. And they are in a logging town in Oregon. And there's definitely an environmentalist aspect to this. There's that whole debate about logging and how this whole town kind of thrives on it. And it is the life force of this town. And Mm -hmm. it's desperately needed. Mm -hmm. And an industry that obviously we use. Wood is a necessity. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we build with it. This board I'm standing in front of right now is made out of wood. Yep. So the paper know, in this book is made out of wood. Exactly. So it's one of those things where you get a little bit of the environmentalism thing in it, but it or aspect in it, but it doesn't come into play as much as you think it would because Kate wanders off and finds a crater lake. It's not the crater lake in Oregon, but similar. Okay, it's an old crater that's been filled in with water. And there's an island in the middle of it. So she goes to this island and she finds a portal to the past. And she travels through this portal and she meets the Native Americans who lived in this region at the time. And there is definitely the magical, mystical element to it. But she goes back to her time and then travels back to talk to the Indians because she wants to get kind of some insight about this whole logging thing. Mm -hmm. Because when she goes back in time to the same area, same world, the geography is completely different. Obviously, because there's no logging. Oh. Yes. Wow. So, like I said, you get some environmentalist action in here, but it's not overwhelming. Don't punch you in the face with it. Mm -hmm. Don't shove it down your throat. Mm -hmm. It's not one of those... It's not too politically charged. Let's just put it that way. Um, It's written in very well. But I love this book. I've read it many, many, many times. And I don't... Okay, so as far as fantasy goes, I kind of enjoy watching fantasy things more than reading most of the time. Mm -hmm. Because with fantasy stories, a lot of times... And I mean this in the nicest way possible, but the people who write fantasy books are people who live in fantasy worlds. So it's a lot of disjointed writing. The stories are not always, they don't flow really well. There's not a lot of cohesion. And so it's kind of hard to follow. Mm -hmm. And they start bringing in too many extra things. You know, we started in a vampire world and now we've got mages and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And I'm trying to follow the storyline of 12 different sects of magical creatures. So I'm over it. That's one of the reasons. There's there's a fine line in fantasy. There is. There is. And I mean, I, maybe I'm just too logical, but I can't have... If you go too out there, then... <laughs> That's why I'm saying this book is awesome, because <laughs> it doesn't go too far out there. It, And honestly, the way that the, way that the issue of the time travel thing is addressed, it, it's in a scientific fashion. It's not like time machine time travel. 
by any means. But it's something that you almost view as plausible. Basically, she finds a hole in the time rift or time continuum. It's, yeah. It's just a rift in the time continuum and she can just step back into the past, but step right back into the future, whatever she needs to. Hmm. And of course, it, it does c- cause some problems at times because she thinks she's been in there for two weeks, but it's only been two days in the real world. But it's been two days in the real world and her aunt is freaking out. Because she's been gone for two days. Yes. Uh-huh. In the woods in Oregon. Bad things happen to people. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a good book. I wish that I, now I want to go check it out and read it again because like I said, I was falling back on one because I didn't know I was going to be doing that or doing this this week. I am going to go check it out. Now I want to read it again. That is so good. And it's been a few years since I read it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the fact that I remember that much of it, I had to do a little bit of a brush up. Yeah. You know, get some, Mm -hmm. get some notes on it. Basically, I just needed to remember Kate Gordon's name and the actual author's name because I had been calling him T.L. Tidro for the last week. (laughs) I meant T.A. Barron. That's what I meant. It's always good to have a favorite book that you can fall back on. Yes. I know there's been a few times that I've gone back to a book that I read a long time ago. And, of course, I always use it as as an excuse to read it again. I'm like, I need to read it again. (laughs) Harry Potter was my, like, I read that. Those books like 300 times. Mm-hmm. And I, I was that nerd. 300? Not 300. But like I read each one probably five <laughs> times. Um, I've read the I read the Harry Potter series more than once. I have read the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, of course, mm-hmm. more than once. Um, you're not going to believe this, especially from me, but I've read the Left Behind series more than once as well. Don't judge me. I heard that well, was actually I'm not pretty judge good. You because, Dude, they're good. They're yeah. really good. When you take biblical because, scholars who specialize in revelations, and then, and they're also amazing fiction authors, and yeah. you give them this premise of this is the end of the world, watch what they do. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> it's really amazing. I don't think, it, I think any book, even if it's kind of just a guilty pleasure, because I've read the Twilight books more than once. I've never and, read them. I did read them. Oh, I, mean, I watched the you movie like before him. I saw the book, and the movies were so cheesy and like the glitter vampire the and all this weird cheesy. love triangle. They are pretty. And of course, I want Jacob to win, so and Edward wins. So why would I read the books? I don't want to. <laughs> it's dumb. <laughs> well, the books are going into more detail, obviously, than the movies. But now that must make me think of Hunger Games and PETA won, and it should have been Gale. Every time there's a weird love triangle in the book, I'm always voting for the underdog, the one who deserves the the girl. And he never gets her. Like, ever. See, in the Twilight books, I like I like the um, the mortal enemies between the vampire and the wolf thing. Yeah. More than the actual love story. The Bella actually wars. gets on my nerves, especially like in the, what is it, the third book, I think? Or the second know. book. I don't know. She, I think it's the third book. She gets on my nerves more than anything. I like the... The fighting between Edward and Jacob <laughs> and the story behind, you know, why he's a wolf. I just realized that all the books that we've talked about that we've reread other than your history ones are fantasy books. And we were just mm-hmm. talking about that. Yeah. Well, when you find a good fantasy book, you want to read it over and over. You again. really do. Have you uh-huh. ever? No, you probably haven't. What? This is one of those kind of more underground fantasy trilogies that I know about that I love. It's called the Blood Jewel Trilogy. I really cannot remember who the author is. What is they're it about? awesome necromancers and <laughs> witches and wizards and this like the whole kingdom is magical. So this is one of those ones that gets a little bit extreme, but it's so good. But yeah. it, it makes sense. It's, yes, and it each, follows a pattern. Each one of the 
families uh, derives their power from their family's blood jewel, which is basically like your birthstone. Mm -hmm. So they have diamonds and rubies and emeralds and blah, blah, blah. But like it is the power assigned to that family. So the emeralds are, I mean, I'm just using this as an example because I don't actually remember what color was what. But say the emeralds are the necromancers and the diamonds are your powerful magicians and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So each jewel represents a power it's awesome it's a really good one so if i can't remember the author sorry about that i would recommend the blood jewel trilogy though (laughs) i can always i can always google it Uh, i haven't reread those now i'm gonna read those too (laughs) dang it i have so much reading to do yeah i know and i started reading the bleachers that (gasps) we were talking about last week and i like it so far it's on my phone i don't i don't have so I've been reading it like in the car, going back and forth to work. Right, and my I keep losing power in my phone. <laughs> so my wireless headphones like suck the power out, apparently, because my oh, I have to have my Bluetooth. Charger. Well, I have one, but I, it's I don't too much know. effort. Yeah, then I have <laughs> I to like <laughs> unplug my iPod and plug in my phone. And if you plug in your phone and you put in any sort of a, like an auxiliary cord um, or headphones. There's like this weird humming thing. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, it does. I've never tried that. It's really obnoxious. And And I, it it, it really impedes my whole watching Netflix while driving thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly, don't admit that on here. Okay, listen, I put it up on a little mounty thing on my windows. So I'm not holding it or anything. And it's directly in my line. Like, I mean, I'm looking at the road. It's just there. It's like peripheral. <laughs> Mostly I'm listening to it because the auxiliary cord is plugged in. It's uh-huh. like an audiobook, except it's there's Netflix. an image if I ever need to watch like the fight scene because some stuff is going down. Right. If you're stopped at a, at a red light, you can actually watch it until exactly. it turns. Or if, you know, traffic's <laughs> at a standstill at, during rush hour. Or when you have it on cruise control and you're on 44 headed to Tulsa and there's nobody around for 20 miles. Remind me uh, not to be on the road where you are. <laughs> yeah. And get your mind off of your the road, and it makes the road rage less. At exactly. Least for me. The, okay, I'm glad that you said that, because that's actually the reason that I started the Netflix in the first mm-hmm. place. I do have a road rage problem. I will admit this. Um, I'm not the person that's going to, like, chase somebody to a gas station and get out and scream right. at them. But I am the person that's going to, ride I don't on know. the bumper if somebody's yeah, going five or, miles you know, under the speed in front of them limit. and, like, break or something and flip them off when they do it. <laughs> or, like, drive by and stare at them. Like, you are just the most vile person on the planet, you know? I've shot more birds than I care to admit. Sometimes when it really sucks when you're just so mad at a car and you go flying by it ready to be like, I hate you with your bird out and it's an 80 year old woman and, and you're, you're like, like what is wrong with me? Why am I so angry about the road? <laughs> I totally did that to it's someone. It's not healthy. <laughs> and, you know, I just, you know, was, you know, waving a California hello at him as I went by <laughs> and their kid was totally in the back seat in the car seat looking out the window. I was like, I'm such a terrible person. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So that's part of the reason that I did this. It is a nice enough distraction that, like, I don't get as irritated by other people. In fact, I feel like I probably go slower and adhere to more traffic laws because of the distraction factor. Mm -hmm. Does Does that make sense? Well, because you're not in such a hurry. Yeah. It makes sense to me because that's one of the reasons why I do audio in my car so much. Because if I'm listening to a book and I'm engrossed in this story. You're calmer. Right. I'm I'm still watching traffic and I'm still driving, you know, 
I'm not. But everybody else but is noise. But I'm not driving like an asshole. Yes, and all, everybody else's noise isn't affecting you. Right. All of their weird little whatever, and that guy that thinks that your 10 over isn't fast enough, and has to fly by you, and then pull in <laughs> front of you, and break because the guy in front of you is going slower than you. Ugh. Uh-huh. Anyways, um, I don't care what anybody says. Driving is a competition. It is a competition. And I'm going to win. <laughs> so now I win by watching Netflix so I don't smash my car into somebody. <laughs> right. So you don't rerun somebody because they're going 10 miles under the speed limit. Oh, my dear goodness gracious. After they pull out in front of you. Well. I hate traffic. <laughs> the sun has set. The sun has set, ladies. I think that means it's about time to wrap up. I think it is. This has been another episode of... Three Book Girls. girls.